Elon Musk texted me yesterday saying, Hey, Josh, Alan just told me I, I can't get on the show anytime soon. I said, I'm sorry, Elon. It's our fans are saying, Hey, like we tuned in for the Alan Josh show and now there's always a third person there. Like what's going on? And so we decided to you know, roll it back a little bit. <laughs> So today we actually wanted to go over some of the crucial strategies and, and things to look for when you're evaluating digital patient engagement. So really it's, it's how to evaluate digital patient engagement from a, a completely unbiased perspective. Well, it, it, it is in, in the sense that, um, you know, one of the things that, that we preach here, Alan, um, from a business point of view is we talk about this in the sales and marketing team that we're not trying to sell like an organization on Seamless in the traditional sense. Um, we really believe that we, we want to educate them and help them help them make the best purchase or the best, you know, you know, buying experience for themselves. Because we, I think we're, we're not naive to think that we are the, frankly, the best solution for every organization or every situation. Mm -hmm. And what we're really trying to do is figure out like, are we actually the right fit? Mm -hmm. Because I think, I think everyone's, like live with the experience that if you, if you end up buying the wrong product and, or, or, or choosing the wrong partner, more so than a product in our case, mm -hmm. yeah, you might end up with a contract and you do that, you know, first year together, but if it's not set up for success, cause it was the wrong fit in the first place, it's not going to continue. And then both sides have invested all these, all this time and resources into uh, a relationship that was um, set up for failure. And so, yeah, that actually is really important that you have the right, you know, framework going into not just buying a solution, but really buying and, and, and choosing a partner more than anything. Right. Um, and so, you know, Alan, it's funny is that like, we can go through this, we're going to talk, I guess, about like how we think about like how you should evaluate a, a digital patient engagement platform. But the other way to look at it is if someone like an organization listens to this podcast, um, they might either say, wow, I completely agree with this framework that might be a sign that we'd be a good partner for you. But if you listen to this and you go, whoa, 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 like none of those things that they're talking about actually matter to me. Right. Yeah, we might not be the right partner for you. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. At least now you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's dive right into it. I think, um, you know, the first thing that strikes me as, you know, very important when you're evaluating digital patient engagement technologies is the the evidence, and I don't just mean the results of the technology, I mean, who's using the technology? Are there actual partners who uh, are, are similar to our organization? For instance, you know, if we're, if we're thinking of a, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a large cardiac center, are there other cardiac centers using the technology and what has their experience been like using the technology? Is it similar to how our organization is running? And if so, that's a, that's a pretty good indicator that this technology is going to be a good fit based on the the similarities between the organizations. Yeah, it's funny, Alan. I, I think when people start, you know, a company like ours, there's this misconception that um, you should always, you know, focus on trying to work with the largest brands in, in in healthcare. And if you do that, then of course everyone else will be on board with adopting this innovation. But to your point, the truth is that everyone thinks the same way, which is who is most like me and, and what are they using? So I'll give you an example, right? Um, Seamless MD, right? Um, if I hear about a new technology or, or product, 
Um, yeah, it's cool if Microsoft and Amazon are customers, but they're like, I wouldn't say they're like us at Seamless MD. They're not that close to us. Like I would probably pick an organization. Um, I would want to see a reference customer that is either maybe more in healthcare or maybe that is more of the size and stage of our company, right? To know that this solution can work for something in our category or, or, or our stage and size. And that's more relevant to us than, oh, did a big brand such as Microsoft use that? That, that product and, and were they successful? Now, if you're Amazon, yeah, you care if Microsoft was successful with the product, right. I get that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think I think there's, I think to your point, um, we, we have to look at, as an image organization, you have to say who is like me as a, as a hospital or health system and what are they using? And so like, I think that's why, you know, it seamless, like we've been very intentional about like, yeah, like we have to make sure that we are effective as a partner for not only, you know, the big academic brands, but also more of the community hospitals or more of the larger, you know, multi-hospital systems. And, and to your point, you know, showing that, yeah, we are successful with different specialties and clinical areas, whether it is cardiac or orthopedics or obstetrics, like showing that we can support the entire spectrum and, and have partners who are talking about that great success is, is so important. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and actually that leads me into the next point in the criteria. So to your point, to start the conversation, you know, is there an organization that's similar to mine that actually uses the technology. Great. And if so, what does that partner actually say about the technology? If it's, you know, positive thoughts, that's even better. Then it's like, okay, now we're now we're starting the conversation. The next way, the next criteria point in evaluating digital patient engagement will come down to outcomes uh, that they specifically have with the product in my particular area. Will I actually get the result that I'm looking to get if I partner with this organization? Yeah, and there's different levels of that too, right? There's like level one, which is adoption. Like, do I have 80, 90% of patients actually adopting and activating on the platform and using it, which is like layer one. And then layer two is, and I think this is the more challenging thing for companies, but one thing that Sims has done really well, right? Which is, do we have actual clinical evidence around, has the product been used to reduce length of stay, readmission rates, ER visits, discharge to sniff, total cost of care. And, you know, at this point, we probably have about 20 or so studies or evaluations done showing improvements on these metrics. And, you know, these were not studies that, that we, that we chose to do our, our partners did them right out of their own, you know, um, intention to it, which is, which is frankly better. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's certainly far more objective that way. Um, but to your point, Alan, I think one of the things I've realized having come from the clinical world myself, and now I guess I'm in the technology industry world is it's not really that hard to create software that has features, right? Mm -hmm. Lots, lots of people can build an application that sends reminders that has to do lists and educational content and monitoring dashboards and all that kind of stuff. But there's a whole science behind how do you use those components and design the user experience in a way that you can actually get behavioral change that you can actually get an 80 year old patient tracking a symptom that you can actually get the right workflow for a provider to, you know, monitor a patient and catch a readmission earlier. Those are very, very complex, challenging things. Mm -hmm. And so you want to see real data. Um, and, and, you know, especially if you're an organization that's not typically, let's call it the, the earliest, earliest adopter, you really want that, that, that evidence to, to give you confidence that this team knows what they're doing. Right. Yep. Um, I, I like to always think, you know, digital patient engagement, as much as it's a technology, it really is in the behavior change science realm. Like that, that really is at the end of the day, 
we're engaging patients to make a, an empowered choice and to make an action. And so it really comes down to, to a, a behavior change. Um, and so, yeah, first layer is, can we actually get patients using the technology? Second layer is, can we actually improve clinical outcomes? Let's say like a, a readmission or a length of stay. To your, your second point around, um, you know, it's easy to build features on a, a technology platform, but making them usable is more important. That's kind of the next, that's next point in the criteria for evaluating digital patient engagement is, you know, what features does the product actually have? What features does the technology have? Keeping in mind that the outcomes and the results is the, the most important, but let's, you know, take a look at some of the features. Do they have multilingual support? Do they have, you know, um, the reminders, the, the checklist, the surveys, the, you know, uh, remote monitoring, those are all features that are important for a digital patient engagement uh, experience for a patient. And you don't yeah, necessarily I, I, have to. Sorry to cut in, but I, I guess the, the, the thought that I have now that I've, now that we do this for like for many years now, you know, all the features that you mentioned, I, I think you would agree. Those are kind of like, like almost like table stakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think what's happened now is that there are some new expectations that that really should be table stakes now, right? So, you know, really probably an even more important feature is EHR integration. Like, right. have do you have like turnkey integrations with, with like Epic and Cerner, right? Mm-hmm. So seamless, again, yeah, shameless plug, but we are on the Epic App Orchard, the Cerner code program. So that way our partners know, yes, yeah, seamless has been validated by Epic and Cerner to have successful mm-hmm. integrations. Other partners have used those integrations. They're turnkey, they're fast, they work. Um, that matters, you know, to IT, it matters to administrators. They want to know that that this platform can fit their broader um, IT strategy and vision. Right. So, I would say in 2021, even more so than those features are like the, the integration features. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other piece too, and I know you're getting this, Al, is that um, a big part of the product and the feature set is the um, the clinical side, the clinical content, the digital care plan. So maybe I'll, I'll let you talk a bit about those. But I think that that's almost like going to be table stakes soon as well in our space. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just one last thing I wanted to say about features. A lot of um, organizations come at the conversation from a features perspective. So they're they're thinking, you know, hey, wouldn't it be great if, you know, it's, it's COVID times now, we need video visits. So I want to make sure that the product has video visits. And, and things like that, while it's super important and it makes a lot of sense, um, is not necessarily looking at the holistic picture of digital patient engagement. And, and not to say like, obviously, you know, Seamless MD has video visits and there's other video platforms like Zoom that integrate into Seamless MD and things like that. But I think to look at it from a features only perspective is missing the bigger picture of what is the result that we're actually looking to achieve with our patient population and our provider population as well. We so- want... So, sorry, I, 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 sorry, I want to jump in, but like, you made a really great point. And I can tell you, because like if you're thinking about as a, if you're an organization, let's say you are a, a clinical leader or administrative leader, and you want to bring something like Seamless MD or another technology in, and you know you have to get executive spot support. You know you have to get this VP or this CXO at the, uh, at the exact level on board because they have to ultimately pay for it and, and be a sponsor to it and all that. I can, I can tell you where often like it falls on deaf ears is like, okay, because you might want a patient engagement platform or some technology, but if you're the, the executive, you're just thinking about an outcome. You're thinking about a result and you're just thinking about, okay, well, like how would this get me to the result? Is there proof that they can get me to this outcome? And it reminds me of, you know, Alan, like when I, 
internally in our company, right? A couple of years ago, our, our customer success team was, you know, looking at different customer success software mm-hmm. that could be purchased, right? And I think our team internally, they had, I think, looked at a, a few, you know, vendors or demos. And I, I didn't even know that they were doing this, right? But they were looking at a couple of vendors and then they, they picked one they liked. And then they they brought they brought one one vendor to me to talk about and say hey they said, here's hey, Josh, all the features look. yeah they said hey Josh here's the feature matrix look at all the features right and like this is why we think this one's the best and I'm just sitting there thinking okay but like as a CEO I I actually don't care about the features right. I care about how does this move our organization forward right how is it going to actually improve these key metrics right mm-hmm. that's the, that's the pitch I care about right and not to say like the features don't add up to that outcome. It, it, you need the features to actually get the outcome, but the outcome is the most important thing. And yeah. Right. Yeah. Which, and, and, I, and I get that when, when, like, when we're in the weeds of our own department, those mm-hmm. features matter because like you're the one using those features day to day, your patients are using those features day to day. So they do matter. But then ultimately when you're trying to get broader support in the organization, um, people at the administrative level are going to care about the, the result. Um, right. And so like they all, they, the point is that they all matter, but I think what you and I find sometimes is that there's almost an, uh, too much emphasis on feature parity and mm-hmm. not as much of some like, okay, like, are we gonna get the results that matter? Right. This has, this, has this partner proven they can generate outcomes in partnership with, with partners similar to me. I, I think that should be an overriding factor. Yep. Not, not always the case though. Right. Um, so now taking on to the earlier point that you made about the clinical expertise and, and actually infusing um, more of the clinical perspective into the product, I think this is a, a very understated point uh, when evaluating digital patient engagement, but this really can make or break the results and the, the outcomes of using a digital patient engagement platform. And so the, the evaluation criteria that I would say here is the team composition. So um, actually taking a look at what what am I getting with this product? It's not just a technology that I get and plug and play and it's, you know, you get the technology and run with it. It's what other professional services are being offered to the organization as almost like an extension of our team. If I want a a certain clinical pathway, is this being developed by a bunch of engineers or is this actually going to be developed by clinicians? Is this going to be developed um, with you know, plain language and patient accessibility in mind. Um, and so one thing that I'll mention about SeamlessMD's team, at least, um, about 25% of our team is clinical. They really understand what needs to go into a, a digital program to make it accessible for a patient to actually understand the information that they're, that they're trying to educate patients on. Yeah, and, and Alan, just just to, just to be clear to listeners, when when Alan's saying like clinical, he actually mean he you do mean clinical. Like our team is made of people who've come from you know like they're pharmacists or they're dietitians or they're nurses or they're other types of trained clinicians. And these clinicians, you know, not only develop our you know template digital care plans for heart surgery, knee replacement, you know, maternity care, whatever that comes out of the box, they actually work hand in hand with our healthcare system partners to help, you know, further configure those workflows or the protocols to kind of um, satisfy the vision of our our healthcare partners. But the point is that like you have people like you working with you um, who who actually have been there, who get it, who have served patients the way you serve patients, um, which is very different than I think a lot of companies who they might hire a physician consultant to create templates Mm -hmm. 
and then you then you're work, then you end up working with someone who's not at all clinical to mm-hmm. try and, and make this work who doesn't have the, the same experience that you've had you know working with patients and I think we found that that's made a big difference in the quality of our our digital care plans and the quality of the the final product with customers um, I don't know how else to attribute you know I love the success that we've had from an outcomes point of view I, I think I think that the team the, the team composition to your point has made a huge difference in that yeah it's not just throwing tech at a problem. It's throwing really intentional tech at a problem. It's, it's throwing a really well-designed, clinically thought-out program that's delivered through tech at a problem to solve the problem. Yeah, it's kind um, of like if you were a health system and you decided to pivot to becoming a digital patient engagement company with your team composition, it would be seamless MD. Right. Like, and, and, that, and that's the point. We, we know you can't do that because your, your, core, your core product as a health system is direct patient care, right? Mm-hmm. But imagine, imagine you could pivot and like go 24 seven to be a, a digital patient engagement company. Um, it basically would be seamless indeed to some extent or more so frankly than most other, I think companies in, in the overall healthcare space that are, are very yep. engineering tech heavy. Right. The next point on this evaluation criteria for digital patient engagement comes down to accessibility of the product. And this is relating back to the, you know, achieving results, the first layer, how do you get that engagement? How do you get patients actually enrolled in using the program? A lot of that comes down to accessibility. So making sure that the digital patient engagement platform that you're bringing into the system actually has accessibility that's you know, top of mind and and everything is built around accessibility, making sure that it's engaging for the patient. And that means, you know, um, multi-device. It's it's meeting the patient where they're at on any device that they have. So whether it's a web browser, whether it's a a phone app or or a tablet or computer, it doesn't matter. So making sure that it's um, multi-device or multi-platform, I don't know the word for that, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Um, I know what you're saying. And, and also with accessibility comes down to, again, the quality of the content that goes into the system. So things like plain language, things like making sure the, um, the education has illustrations within, it's written at a grade six or below reading level. Um, all of these different uh, combinations of accessibility put into the, uh, the content in the program. So again, like the, the empowering tone, it's, it's not written at a you know, uh, grade 12 level where, you know, nobody can understand the content on the platform. It's written for the patient. It's written as a, an empowering uh, voice for the patient to actually take action in their own life and become a participant in their care, really be, be a partner in their care and in their journey. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, that actually, you know, segues well, Alan, to um, services. Mm. So I think one of the things that we're big on at Seamless is the fact that we would tell our partners, hey, we're not just a technology company, you know, we're a, a full a full partnership, meaning that you get a whole team assigned to you during the implementation, but also for the ongoing partnership, you have a whole team assigned to you to support with, you know, troubleshooting um, issues, driving up patient adoption, sharing best practices across our, our customer partner network, helping with data reports and analytics you know, and, and stakeholder engagement and training of staff and all these kinds of things. And I, and I think that plays a critical role because you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the outcome is not just the technology, it's a technology plus the quality of implementation and, and ongoing execution. Right. Um, and so having a partner who like knows what they're doing because of their experience and, and access to partners to share best practices, I think that's a critical part of, of a good partner. 
Um, I think it comes back to that whole concept where it's, you're not just buying a product. And I, I think, I think, I think if, if you were a, you know, a department and you're just deciding, okay, like which, which like, you know, $10 a month, like file storage product am I going to use to upload my one gigabyte of like word documents? Yeah. You don't really need a partner for that. You just need right. like a, you know, take your pick, Dropbox, box, Google drive, mm-hmm. one drive, like whatever. Right. But if you're talking about, hey, like I actually want to drive an outcome across a large patient population, um, especially patients who are typically 60 to 80. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you need a good product, but you need a, an exceptional partner. Right. Yeah. So, and again, it's like look to experience, look to the actual network that that, that technology partner has. And I think that it's such an understated point, but delivering those best practices from the network is, is that ongoing partnership is evolving over time. It's a, it's a constantly shifting uh, entity really, because it's it, the, the technology partner is learning from all of the different uh, partners in the network. And then you as an organization are gonna get those best practices. You're gonna get the latest and greatest updates um, that's been made to the platform and, and updates that have been made to the, the implementation, the best practices for implementation, the best practices for ongoing engagement, making sure that patients are using it. Um, so all of that is kind of uh, really important in, in evaluating a digital patient engagement platform is above and beyond the technology, what am I getting in, in terms of professional services and in, ter- in terms of an extension of my team? Do they actually uh, help in that way? Another point for the evaluating digital patient engagement. Wait, wait, sorry, Al, do you mind if I just add one more, one more thing to that, yeah, that please, topic yeah. uh, around kind of services and, and, and partnership? Um, people often ask, well, well, how do you know that the services are good, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the way that I look at it is, is number one, I mean, go back to the outcome. So if, if someone has a lot of great reference partners who either have great case studies, stories, um, strong reference calls, you end up doing those. Um, okay, that gives you some data. But the number, the second thing I look at is, okay, when you're talking to that partner, like during the exploration process, mm-hmm. and you're asking them these questions about like, how do you get patients adopting this, right? How do you make this fit into my team's clinical workflow? What is the quality of answers you're getting? Like, do you feel like you're actually learning something from this potential mm-hmm. partner? Like, do you feel like you're getting smarter about patient engagement based on what they're telling you? Right. Do you feel like they're actually giving you really like clear, comprehensive, sensible answers to like, hey, here's how we've made this work for our partners? Right. Maybe with examples. Answers, yes. Great. If the answer is like, wait, I'm not really learning anything new. Mm-hmm. I, like, their stuff doesn't make sense. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem they've really done this before. Yeah. Which is the truth for a lot of companies in our space that like don't really have the experience right. because they, they, you know, they're still starting out and, and that might be okay if you're okay with that, but you kind of, you know, you get what you pay for basically. Yeah. Um, like that tells you too, right? So there's yeah. lots of these data points that you can figure that you can get along the way to figure out, okay, like, is this, is this the right partner that has ex- experience that I need to be successful? Because right. what you don't want is you buy a great product and then the ex- execution is poor because the team doesn't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have to report back on that. Yeah, that's a bad outcome for you too, as a as an organization or as a department that's leading this. Right, you got to talk about that. Yeah, and and hopefully it hopefully it's pretty upfront when you're in that exploratory phase. Hopefully the the company that you're dealing with is actually quite upfront with their information like that. But if they're not, just ask questions. You know, it's going to serve you better in the end if you're asking the right questions and you want to dig deeper into like 
what is that actual process look like? Ask those questions. And if they kind of run out of their canned answers and they can't actually come up with a good explanation, there's your answer. So yeah, great point. Um, yeah, and another thing to add, Alan, is that the person you're talking to might not know everything, but then the question is, okay, but can they bring someone in who's more of an expert? So like, yeah, I get that the, you know, the sales team member is not going to necessarily be the epic integration expert, right. but can they bring in the IT person who is, right? right? If they can't yeah. even do that, if you can't even do that, then I, I'll say this, like there, there, there are a lot of companies that they will put on their, on their webpage. We, in, we integrate with epic and certain all these things right but the moment you end up having a conversation with them it's like we can do it we just have it. Or, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you know um and by the way like like yeah not i mean even when we were early on we didn't have those integrations done mm -hmm. right but but that's the point then like maybe at that time we weren't right fit for some organizations where they right. needed it away right so yeah yeah you're right ask the questions and then yeah. they got you got to make a good judgment there right we were also transparent about that back back in those days when we didn't have integrations and, and such. We were pretty transparent about it. It's not. Yeah, I mean, like, like uh, we we've been in the early startup phase too. Yeah. So, like, I, I mean, I definitely don't want to tell an organization, "Hey, like, it's right. you should didn't work with a very early stage company." You should sometimes. Like, we've been there, and I'm, we're grateful for our partners who bet on us. Um, but I think you just have to be sensible about, like, what it is. What, the, what are the pros and cons of that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. The pros are. Maybe it's cheaper because they're earlier stage. There's more risk there. They don't really. You're you're kind of helping them figure out what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? More than they're helping you figure out how to how to do this, right. right? And so yeah, you're maybe you're paying them less, but then there is higher risk and you have more skin in the game. Mm -hmm. um, on the plus side, it is maybe maybe it's significantly cheaper than a, a proven mm -hmm. solution, and maybe you get to shape more of the vision. Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, where this product could go. Whereas if it's the more established company, a lot of that has been figured out. Um, so it's not necessarily bad to work with an early stage company. Pros and cons for sure. Pros and cons. But then also it's probably slower because mm -hmm. they don't have a proven playbook for this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's going to take longer to implement. It's going to take longer right. to figure out as it's successful, but maybe right. you're cool with that. If, if you, you know, you like that early stage experience yeah. with a, a startup and, um, Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, Sorry, I, Alan, I, I, I think you were going to a different topic and I just derailed. No, that, you. that's great. So um, the next point in evaluating digital patient engagement comes down to stakeholder involvement. So who from uh, the, let's say it's a, a health system or a hospital, who from that organization is actually needed to implement the product, to use the product, to actually make it, you know, come to fruition? Who, Who's actually involved in that process? Do I need to hire, you know, a bunch of FTEs to actually manage the program? Do I need to have all of my clinical team weigh in on the decision and and uh, and the, the content that goes into the system, or even build the content? Do I need a bunch of Epic trained project managers to actually um, make the implementation happen or, or design the workflows for the product? All of this is really important in evaluating the digital patient engagement platform. Who do I need to be involved in the process from maybe evaluating the product, but then also implementing the product and using the product? Very, very important. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those things where when you're first evaluating solutions, I don't think you necessarily have to get everyone in the room right away. You probably want to prevent certain things, but, but to your point, Alan, you kind of want to figure out, okay, like if this goes somewhere, 
do I know everyone that I need to, to bring into the conversation? And then also um, you have to be honest about, well, like who's, how do I weight that feedback? Because, you know, if there are certain people this will affect more than, then maybe their opinion should matter more right. in the conversations in the process. If there's someone who's kind of more like peripherally affected, then like, yeah, you, you want them to be in the know, um, but you maybe like they won't care to be as involved and you don't care for them to be as involved. Um, what you don't want to do is not involve everyone you should and then bring them in too late or not at all. Because let's say you go ahead and you buy this, you buy something mm-hmm. and then someone really important you know, finds out afterwards and you're asking them to be part of the implementation and they're a little bit upset that they weren't asked to be involved. Um, even if they would have chosen the same partner you did, mm-hmm. the fact that you, they didn't get a chance to weigh in and yeah. ask the questions and give yeah. their opinion, even if they disagreed with you, that can affect their buy-in to make the project successful. Right. Um, it's like, imagine Alan, like if, if we were choosing a marketing solution and I didn't, and you would have to be, you know, implementing it and mm-hmm. using it and I didn't involve Maybe you I'm using it. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, maybe you would have totally agreed on the choice. Right. But it's the fact that you weren't involved. It's yeah. like, like, what the heck? Like I'm right. having to use this all the time and why wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, like, um, you know, an emotional response to certain things is, is valid. It, we're humans uh, that work for the organization. So it's not like, you know, if I, if I don't consult somebody who's actually important, who's going to be an end user, who's going to be, you know, um, involved in the, in the product in some capacity, if I don't consult with them on the decision, they're going to feel pretty slighted over the, the fact that, you know, we've brought in this, this technology and, and we didn't consult you on it. And, now you have to go use it. Like that's, you know, at the end of the day, we're human. That's going to hurt feelings. It's going to impact the relationship. It's going to maybe burn bridges internally. And that's something that you don't want to do. You want to use, especially with something like digital patient engagement, which does affect multiple stakeholders. And it's, it's for the patient. Like you want it to bring people together. You want it to, to really, you know, have everybody kind of rallied behind the same solution. So that's definitely a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, like let's say you have a potential partner who's interested in your technology and let's say they're, I don't know, they're very senior. They're the, the chief of the department. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know what, Alan, no, no, we don't have to show the other, you know, clinicians in my department. Let's just go talk right. to the, the C-suite and we'll get this approved. Um, a, a less experienced company might say, oh, wow, great. We can avoid this like, whole conversation of stakeholders in this <laughs> yeah. process and go straight yeah. to the top. Right. Um, but I think an exper- more experienced company like ourselves, would, we actually, we tell, we tell that person, well, hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, in our experience, um, it's probably better if we, you know, present to the whole department first and get their buy-in and answer their yeah. questions. Because, you know, um, number one, like your executives are probably going to ask you, did you get department buy-in? Mm-hmm. And even if they don't, even if they just go ahead and sign off on this, w- when your department's implementing this, yeah. they're going to say, uh, we weren't involved in this and it's going right. to create those, that tension that we talked about and that friction, it's going to make the initiative less successful probably. So even though you could argue, yeah, we're at, you know, as a company, we're actually reducing the success of this deal closing because yep. we're asking you to involve more of the department, but we want to do that because we want you to be successful with us. Right. And so we're going to intentionally add risk to the deal because we're thinking about the long-term partnership with you. Right. I, I would rather us put some risk on the deal happening knowing that if it does happen, you're going to, you're going to be a winner with us um, right. as a department, as an organization. 
um, because you know we, we think very long-term in this company. And frankly, we, we're very customer-centric. We want the organization to be successful with us. So we'll, we'll add more risk early on if that actually, frankly, protects you as the partner. Yep. It's better for us long-term too. That's a great point. Um, the next point for evaluating digital patient engagement comes down to, and this is very similar to the stakeholder involvement, but the workflow integration. So how is it actually going to be used day to day? Who is involved in that? Who's actually the end user that's using the product? And then also how does it integrate into our current workflow and the workflow that we're trying to achieve as well? So the point here being workflow integration, who needs to be trained on the product? Who's actually enrolling the patient? Who's gonna be using the product? Who's gonna be maybe receiving reports of the product? And how well does that actually integrate into our situation? If there's you know, maybe one front office staff member, maybe one PA versus an organization who has 10 PAs and lots of resources at play, how does that product, how does that digital patient engagement product or platform integrate into that workflow? And does it change based on the number of resources that I have at my disposal? It's a fantastic point, Alan. And I think, you know, there's, I don't think there's like a, a perfect, you know, way to do workflows with an organization. But I think the key is what you said, which is, does it fit my workflow as an organization? Yeah. So for example, you know, there are remote patient monitoring companies out there or digital engagement companies out there where, um, they enable remote monitoring of patients and alerts and dashboards for providers to monitor patients, but that's all they do. Meaning that you actually need a nurse or another provider on the other end to be monitoring patients to use this product. Yep. And that doesn't work for every organization, right? And so like the way that we've designed Seamless, as you know, is we've, we've made it possible to have flexibility in that. So we have some partners that use Seamless purely for self-management because we have a system set up so that way um, if they don't want to monitor patients, patients can be given, um, you know, self-care education on how to manage issues like constipation, or the patient can be told, hey, you have this, you know, yellow flag because your incision has pus coming out of it. You have to call this number and be proactive, right. you know, and no one's on the other end looking at this data. But then at the same time, we have other features for providers who actually want alerts and want dashboards and want to monitor patients. And they want patients knowing that they're going to be monitoring them you know, X hours per day, whatever that is. Um, but the point is that, you know, they have to figure out, okay, can the, can this company and, and, and this platform actually support my specific workflow? Right. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good the product is, mm -hmm. it, it's not going to work here. Yeah. Um, and, and so you actually want to know, like, does this company care about that? Mm -hmm. Right. Are they actually a partner on this? Yeah. Can they, can they adapt to my workflow? Yeah. Um, not every company can. Right. Yeah. I, and I think adapting is, is a, a key point there. Are they flexible with my workflow that, that we are set up for? Can they actually accommodate that? And if it's a one size fits all, it's likely not going to be that, that circumstance. It's not going to be that uh, flexible in, in terms of the product. And, and this is why the department um, stakeholder engagement is important, right? You can have um, you know, one physician thinking, of course, we're going to monitor patients. Mm -hmm. But then if you start asking the other physicians or nurses, they'll tell you actually, um, we're at hundred percent right now. Yeah. yeah. Or sometimes we have the, the opposite where the physician thinks, oh, no one's going to monitor patients. But mm -hmm. then the moment that we talk to the, the other physicians or nurses, they go, oh, no, no, like we would yeah. like we're calling patients every day. I'd rather use seamless MD. Exactly. And the physician says, oh, I didn't realize that. 
this yeah. is even more valuable now. Um, so that, that, that's kind of the other benefit of engaging, you know, a couple more of the stakeholders is that you actually get a, a more complete picture of like, how does this fit the workflow? Where is the value? Um, and you, you only learn that through more conversation. Yep. Great points. The next criteria for evaluating digital patient engagement comes down to the actual specialties or uh, customizations of the product that is already uh, made into a template, let's call it. So obviously the, the goal of a patient engagement platform is to have it specific to your patient population. It's not gonna be you know, necessarily a one size fits all, but having the benefit of a template where the company or the, the product has already done it in the past with another, hopefully similar organization, similar uh, specialty or similar space that we're trying to implement for. If they have those templates available, it saves everyone time. You can implement the product faster and you can get those results faster. Um, and so just looking at what are the specialties that are available? What are the templates that are available? That's That should be on your evaluation criteria. Yeah, and my take too is that like, I mean, every company at some point, you're like, you might be their first partner for a new specialty or use case. And like, that's okay too. You just have to be sure about, you know, your trade-offs there, right? So it's like, hey, maybe it's really important to you that they've done orthopedics before, but it's okay to you that you might be their first partner for, I don't know, urology or something. Mm -hmm. That's okay too. Um, yeah. You have to be okay with the trade-off, right? Um, and just be confident that, they have enough experience and maybe some of the other ones that matter to you that, that right. you're pretty confident that, yeah, you're the first partner for something else that they can do it. Because the truth is that healthcare is so complex that it can take a while for someone to have covered every possible outlier yeah, or, yeah, yeah. or like this like really rare condition. Right. I mean, um, but at the end of the day, like it's, it's about the process and the mm -hmm. platform. And most things, most things are repeatable in other areas for the most right. part. Um, but, but certainly early on in the company's life cycle, then, then yeah, you want to be aware of like how much or how little experience that they have. Right. Yeah. And, and I think your, your point about the process is really, really important there. So do they have an established process where they've built it for maybe other use cases or specialties and, and are they able to repeat that then for, let's say it's a, a use case where, you know, there's no product on the market that has this, that's actually built it can I trust this company to actually go ahead and pioneer that with me? Oh, I mean, uh, and this is why, like, I think that matters even more than frankly, how many templates you have, yeah. because anyone mm. can create templates right. of stuff, right? right? Like, I, I could, I could frankly build for you a platform that has low patient usage, low engagement, doesn't drive an outcome. I can create, but I have the template for you. I can cover every use case, especially right. for you. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. work though, because like it's a, it's a poor product, but I can create the templates for you. Mm -hmm. Right. I personally, as an organization, I'd rather partner with a company that doesn't have all the templates, mm -hmm. but the templates they do have work. Yeah. And I know that the next time they enter that new use case, it's going to work. Right. That's what I would yeah. bet on if, I, if I'm a that's, partner. That's a great point. Yeah. And I think that's that's intentionally why we've we've saved this point in the criteria for a little bit later down or, or further down the list in terms of uh, the importance in evaluating digital patient engagement. The next point, uh, and 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 this, you know, obviously is dependent on your organization, but price needs to be considered if we're evaluating a digital patient engagement platform. We need to take into account how much does it actually cost and. 
price is, is, is a tricky one because it's sometimes not very clear in terms of the pricing structure. So is there a setup fee? Okay, is there a licensing fee? Is there an ongoing cost? Are there update costs? There's all these different factors that play into price. And so if you can get a clear understanding of what is the price, that's a pretty good sign. If, if you can understand what the price breakdown is, how much it's actually gonna cost me in terms of um, uh, actual money, but then also time uh, needed to implement something, that, that should all be factored into price. Yeah, I, I think, I think, and the only caveat I give, and I think I've learned this having been on the other end, is that especially you know in healthcare when you're selling software to enterprises, which are complex organizations, it's not like you're going to a shoe store and you're buying a shoe or going to the grocery store where it's it's frankly, it's a it's a commodity. Everything is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. You can just pick up pick it up and start using it. When you're selling like complex software that integrates with EHRs and touches like all these stakeholders. I can appreciate now on the business side why it's important to, hey, I actually want you to, to actually understand what we do so that if we're giving you a proposal with, with our, our pricing model, that it's actually reflective of a true understanding of what you're getting out of this. Because it's kind of like, um, oh, a good example is, I don't know, like CRMs, right? Mm-hmm. Like Salesforce costs a lot more than, than some other, you know, um, CRM products. But it's probably because they're more sophisticated, they have more use cases, they have a bigger ecosystem of integrations, they have, you know, a more proven, you know, process and playbook. And so, yeah, it costs more, but that it might not actually cost more ultimately, depending on what outcome you're looking for to achieve, right? But unless you actually sat through understanding what they offer versus someone else, then you're getting a number that's, that doesn't have context. Right. Um, and probably the, the best example of that is, you know, like when you're starting off as a company and I kind of alluded to this earlier, it's like, yeah, like you might, you might give it away for cheap or free to your first few partners. And as an organization, you're like, oh, it's free. Mm-hmm. But then it's not actually free in terms of what we call the total cost of ownership, right? So if I'm an organization and yeah, this product is free or it costs less, but it's unproven. I'm like one of the first, the like, guinea pigs for it. I'm having to help Alan figure out how to educate a staff on this, how to, how to get adoption, what the playbook is. That's your time. Right. And that's your risk of not getting a good outcome. Um, and so was it free? Maybe according to your balance sheet was free, but mm-hmm. based on the time you spent on it and mm-hmm. the high likelihood that it won't work out, that has right. a cost attached to it. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think that's, that's the way, like I've come to look at it now, even as a business owner, mm-hmm. like free is not free is usually not truly free. Right. Especially in the context of your, if you're buying like software for the enterprise. Right. Definitely. I agree with you. Like you want directness from whoever you're talking to, mm-hmm. but then you also have to appreciate the fact that like there's nuance mm-hmm. and context. Right. Very um, important. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I'll comment on, I think what I find interesting, Alan, is that like, depending on who you're talking to, um, what's expensive for one party is not expensive for another. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, um, if, if, if you are, if you are selling a hospital EMR system, right. Mm-hmm. And you told those numbers to an individual clinician, right. They're like, uh, no one's ever going to buy that. Right. And then you find out that your hospital bought the HR for like hundreds right. of millions of dollars. <laughs> right. So, so it's like, you know, um, I think that matters too. It's like, does, 
does the ultimate decision maker, how do they view the ROI on that? And people right. often are surprised. Yeah. Right. I, I, I'll give you a good example, Alan. Right. So um, like recruiting firms, right? If, if you're hiring a recruiting firm to help you find someone for a role in a company, right? You know, it can cost like 10,000, 15, 20, even more than that as you get to more and more senior hires for hire. And someone might say, whoa, like that's that's a lot of money to, to hire someone, right? right? But if you're like a, you know, a business owner, right? And you're like, well, if I find the right person for this role, and I yeah. think about how much time would I have otherwise spent yeah. months trying to find this like perfect person for the role, right. like 10, 20, whatever thousand dollars, or maybe like a lot more for like a, like a, a major executive. Mm -hmm. um, if, if that one person can bring in 10 or 20 or 30 K of value in their first year, because maybe they, you know, that salesperson was just that much better and brought in like one extra deal, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it, it that pays for itself. The time right. that you don't spend trying yeah. to like find that right person that could have, like, if you, if you spend like a, like a month or two, whatever, trying to find that person, now you don't have to mm -hmm. pays for itself. So people don't realize this, but when you look at it from like, like the, the opportunity ROI, cost, yeah. it really adds up. Right. right. That's the other way to look at it too. It's like, yeah. sounds like a big number, but then like, what's your alternative? And then it's like, Oh, it actually, it's a big number, but relative to what else I have to do, like mm -hmm. pays for itself, you know? Yep. yep. Totally. Well, and I think it comes back to, again, like, are we looking at features and the cost for those features or are we looking at the outcomes? Are we looking at the results? Are we looking at the, the holistic experience of the product as well? Um, and that, that all factors into the price. So what, like you said, there's nuances behind the price, there's context that matters and who's, who's the person viewing the price that also matters because their opportunity that they're looking at might be different than just looking at the features. Hey, I want this feature. Oh, it's that, that much or, or, you know, that little whatever it is but oh yeah I, I, I mean Al, i guarantee you right like like if um you know someone on our team like like yolanda like in, in hr operations here right like I, I can tell you that maybe if we if we weren't working with recruiting firms yet and she had heard about one she would probably have assumed initially like when we before we started working recruiters like years ago right. she'd probably been like oh, oh too expensive. Like, i told josh it would cost this much money for a recruiter mm -hmm. like he for sure would say no but if she actually had talked to me about it i would have been like you know if you do the math Right. Kind of makes sense. I can see why I can see why it works out. Right. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in an organization, right? Like if, if you don't have that conversation with the, the executive sponsor, you kind of assume like, oh, like why would they allocate funding for this new initiative? Mm -hmm. Right. But if you talk to them and you explain the situation, you're like, hey, you know, like this could cut like this day by a day or readmissions or improve yeah. patient satisfaction. And they go, you know, you know, Dr. Sardana, I did the math. This is like a really good ROI. Right. And they're like, whoa. Or, or to them, maybe they're lot. even think, maybe they're even thinking about like market share and and how how could this actually help us increase market share? Well, it's you know this innovation. Patients actually want this experience. There's a it's you know it's multi multifactorial, definitely. Yeah, I, I'm always like the more that I, I've been in this industry, the more you realize that like um, when when you actually get to the, the executive sponsors, when the value is there, it's um, right. frontline providers are surprised. Mm -hmm. um, at, at, at how quickly they can move and, and how, like, to, to your point, like they have a broader ROI that, that they look at. Right. Um, and so I've been pleasantly surprised actually. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. Another point to evaluating digital patient engagement um, is security of the product. This, this, I mean, we should, we should have mentioned this uh, probably earlier in the conversation, earlier on the criteria list, but if they don't have the proper security, it's not even worth having the conversation. So that again, it's table stakes, but looking at, you know, are they HIPAA compliant or, or in Canada, are they P-HIPAA compliant and, and uh, you know, other factors go into it, you know, when you're looking at the EMR integrations, for instance, obviously if they are in the Epic App Orchard and Cerner Code program, they've, they've obviously hit those security requirements. And, and hopefully, you know, if they have other health system partners who are reputable academic medical centers, for instance, they have those security um, uh, requirements, but security is a, a huge uh, um, factor that should go into the evaluation as well. Absolutely, no question. Table stakes yeah. at this point, like you said. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any other points for the the evaluation or? I, yeah, I, I mean, maybe the last one, Alan, and this is a bit like, um, what's the right word? Wishy-washy, but I, but I, you know, in many ways, like I think, I think to some extent culture fit between mm. your partner and the organization does matter. Mm-hmm. And, and, and some people would disagree with this and say, well, Josh, like, just cause they, just cause they didn't like you in the, in the, you know, the buying process doesn't mean that they shouldn't buy your solution, but let's be honest, like people, people buy stuff from people they get along with. Right. And the culture that you get, like, yeah, let's be fair. Like people might assume, well, you know, just cause the sales team is this way and they're, you know, they're obviously incentivized to get sales. Maybe the rest of the team, you know, has a different culture. So if I didn't like the sales team, maybe I will like the professional services team and, and, mm-hmm. and the customer success team and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, yeah. but for the it's most part, maybe. I think yeah. culture, you know, tr- goes across an organization, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, and, and I think, you know, I, th- I think there are um, real values behind that as well. Like if the company has integrity, you want to work with that company. You know, if they're, if they're going to do something unethical, uh, during, let's say, even the, the sales process, what are they going to do when they have patients actually using the product, right? Like, so I think certain values go a long way and that, that values kind of add up to the, the culture as well and the, the culture fit uh, between organizations. So I think that's a, it's a very valid point. Uh, absolutely. And, and again, like, I, and no, I think most people do that anyways, right? Most people, frankly, buy things from people that they like. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot too. But, but my hope is that if you like the people that you're buying from, because that culture persists in the organization, um, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll like the rest of the team too. And I mean, I can say, I mean, probably everyone does it anyways that way. It doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Well, and it, it's interesting as well, from the vendor's perspective, the partners who, I mean, and I'm, I'm strictly speaking from Seamless MD's perspective, but the partners who we have, all hold those same values. And it's just very interesting to see how they are exactly the kind of people we would want to work with. And that's just who happens to, I mean, maybe maybe every hospital, every health system out there is the same and they're all just like so great like that. But I, I just noticed, especially with our partners, they are definitely those high integrity uh, individuals. They are very much patient-centered and, and that just seems to be who we're attracting as well and, and who is interested in working with Seamless MD as well. Yeah, I mean, and to your point, I think, I, think, I mean, if you're in healthcare, you, you, I mean, you're in it because like for the most part, you're well-intentioned, you, you, right. you want to make a difference. Um, and, and, you know, like, and there's all those folks everywhere across the board. 
And, and I think to your point, Alan, like, I think most people do appreciate, like you've said, a company that has integrity, that has, that has, you know, has a high standard for excellence, right. That, that really puts its customers and its patients first, um, before the business. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that resonates with probably with most organizations. Um, yeah. So Josh, those, those are all, that's all the evaluation criteria points that I had, uh, well, it sounds life. like an evaluation might take 12 months given everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I, I, I feel like, you know, there are definitely some that we mentioned are, are more like table stakes. And so you can probably weed out a lot of different companies just based on those table stakes alone. Uh, and then beyond that, that's where it gets into some of the nuances. But I think a, a good point to start with is who's using the product already? What do they say about the product? What's the experience been like from a results perspective, an outcomes perspective, uh, and then beyond that, what are the additional services that they're offering? Is it an extension of our team? Do they actually have clinical expertise? Is that being added? Uh, and, and all of that should go into the decision when you're, when you're looking at digital patient engagement. Um, and then obviously, like we mentioned, security and EMR integration, workflow integration, stakeholder involvement, all of that should be considered um, and, and it's definitely important in the decision. Yeah. And I think just one more I'd emphasize, Alan, is like, are they a true partner? And does that mm -hmm. partnership start during the evaluation process? Right. Right. Like, are, 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 are they actually trying to partner with you and help you make the best decision for your organization? Yeah. Because if they genuinely are, and that's something that we really, you know, endorse and push here at Seamless MD, whether we're the right product or not, we want you to have the best outcome. Maybe that's not with us, right? And that's fine too. Yep. But if they are truly a partner with you in the exploration process, then you can expect they'll be a partner with you once you formalize a partnership. Mm -hmm. But if they're not a partner with you in the buying process, you don't know if they're actually going to be a good partner for you if you decide to buy them. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's, that's, that's like, that's a really important lens to look at, at this process with. It's like, do you feel like they're actually trying to help you? Right. Um, and if they're not red flags to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you, like, I mean, just to maybe, I know we're going to wrap up Alan, but you know, we recently, like I recently had to get a, um, I'm not call it a vendor, but we, I, I had to, I had to become a customer of, of, a, of another company for our business, um, last year. And when I was on the call with the, the salesperson, you know, one of the things I asked him was, um, so, but technically speaking, I could do this process on my own mm -hmm. and, you know, I actually wouldn't need to have a vendor like yourself do this. Like I'm, I told him like, it, I, at first I thought maybe I would have to have you do this, mm -hmm. like for maybe like for legal or other reasons, but it sounds like you're telling me that that's actually not true. And I could technically do this on our own without having a, paying a vendor to do this. Right. And a big reason why I ended up actually buying from them was because they were completely transparent. They said, yeah, honestly, Josh, yeah. you technically don't need to work with us or another vendor. And like, here's why like you, you wouldn't have to, right. but like, here are the reasons why you, you might want to. And if you fall into mm -hmm. one of these buckets, like you should consider working with someone like us, but yeah, you're totally right, Josh, you don't have to work with us or anyone else. You could do it on your own. Here's what that would look like. Right. And all he, all he did was educate me. I ended up buying from him, yeah. not right away. I bought like months later, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, it wasn't the right time, right? but like I was treated well. I was treated like a partner mm -hmm. and that's why, that's why I ended up buying from them. Right. Yeah. Left to well, work. I, th I think as well, because it is the year 2021, 
information is available. Everybody has access to the same information. If not, then, you know, maybe you're withholding information. That's a whole different conversation, but everybody should have access to relatively the same information. So it really comes down to, like you said at, at the beginning of the conversation and, and what you just said uh, right there is the education. Are, are they actually um, wanting to be involved in, in helping you make a decision and educating you and, um, it really weeding out, is this the right fit or not? And, and being quite upfront and transparent about that. Um, I think they're all very important, especially in today's age where you can get everything online. You can find out everything you need to find out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing. So uh, I think we'll end it there. We don't need to belabor the point, but um, I think what might be useful is if we, you know, come up with a, 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 an overall checklist that you can just take away um, and so I'll, I'll link something in the show notes that's uh, similar to that or, or to that effect. Does, does the checklist just say listen to the podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Checkbox number one, listen to the podcast. <laughs> number two, what is the the price? <laughs> like that's it. Yeah. No, but uh, but I, I think if I break this down for folks, uh, if you found this episode, um, you know, both educational and maybe entertaining, who knows? Um, that's a good sign. So that, that's a good thing. Uh, make sure you do your due diligence when you're looking into a product, especially something. And this is like literally everybody knows this who's evaluating digital patient engagement, but this is a product that's actually going to be uh, impacting patients. So make sure that you do your due diligence there. Um, I'd hate for folks to get burned. So um, this is our criteria. This is basically how we would go about evaluating a, a virtual care type uh, technology or digital patient engagement in this case. Uh, and hopefully that uh, you found that valuable as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alan. Thanks, Josh. See you next time. See ya.